The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. month four you know we, we, we kind of um have taken some heat we've lost some bearings sometimes fear has crept in you know and you're beginning to doubt all you set out to achieve and and sometimes and many times we need realignment we need God to realign us so like never before at this part at this time of the year, we need guidance. We need reorientation. In other words, we need a shepherd. We need someone to lead the way. We need someone to, to shepherd us. And the, the question we're going to be asking today, which is the part one of our series, Only Jesus, the question is, is this. Who is your shepherd? And I pray that by the time we are done, if, that, if the answer I'm about to give is not your answer, you will be able to say only Jesus. So when we ask you, when you walk out of service today and they ask you, who is your shepherd? What would you say? Psalm 23. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever and ever Amen. So we, we are going to spend a lot of time and focus on verse 4 and, and the parts, you know, that says that your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These are the two oldest equipment of a shepherd. Every shepherd back in the day has a rod and, and a staff and from the picture of the rod and the staff, I'm going to put up the pictures um, up for us to see. You know, the, the, the staff is the one with the, with, that looks like a hook at the, at, the, at the tip. And the rod is the one that looks like a club. The rod is used to fight the enemy of the ship. The staff is used on the ship. The rod primarily is used for the enemy of the, of the ship. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is this. The rod is a tool for guarding and protecting the ship. So the rod represents power and authority. 
The rod represents power and authority. The rod of Christ will guard and protect you and your family. Come on, say amen. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Now, the staff, on the other hand, is a tool for guiding and directing. It represents care and compassion. It represents care and compassion. So, you need a shepherd that will protect you and care for you. You need a shepherd that will be over your soul. You need a shepherd. Every sheep needs a shepherd, and every shepherd has a flock. The relationship of a sheep and a shepherd is personal, and the, the flock is so important to the shepherd that you cannot separate the shepherd from his flock. The shepherd is ready to lay his life down for his, for his flock. So you cannot be a roving ship. You can't be a roving ship. You can't be a floating ship. Every ship needs a shepherd, and every shepherd has a flock. So whose is your shepherd, and which flock do you belong to? In fact, if you look at the state of the flock, you can tell the level of satisfaction of the shepherd. If there's something wrong with the flock, the shepherd is not happy. So who is your shepherd? Only Jesus. Now, I mean, for me to get to that conclusion that only Jesus is my shepherd, you know, there there are a couple of things that that I have to ask myself. And I'm going to share them with you. And these things made me conclude That only Jesus is worthy of being my shepherd. And it is how Jesus treats his sheep. How Jesus treats his sheep made me determine that only Jesus will be my shepherd. Not Jesus and one Baba somewhere. Not Jesus and one woman somewhere. Not Jesus. No, no, no. Only Jesus. Yes, I understand that pastors are under shepherds. They are under shepherds. But ultimately, the shepherd of our souls is who? It's Jesus. So how does Jesus treat his sheep? How? When I am hurt, how does Jesus respond as a sheep? You and I are going to get hurt in this world. How does your shepherd respond when you are hurt? When your feelings are hurt? When when you are hurt emotionally? When you are going through a trying period, how does your shepherd respond? How does Jesus respond when you are hurt? If I am hurt, Jesus shows me what? He shows me compassion. He doesn't put me down. He doesn't talk me down. He doesn't hassle me. He doesn't tell me in He doesn't, you know, you know what tall means? If you don't know what tall means, you need to come to Nigeria. <laughs> you know? is a way of us saying, you know, gotcha, you know, I told you so, you know. He doesn't. In Matthew 9, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he says, when Jesus saw the crowd, when he saw the crowd, he was filled with what? He was filled with compassion for them. Because they were hurting and didn't know where to get help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. When I am hurting, Jesus shows me compassion. You see, there are different ways to respond to someone that's hurting. You, you could, you could um, have sympathy on someone that is hurting. And you could say, oh, you have sympathy on someone that's hurting. What's sympathy? Sympathy is you are hurting Hey, yeah, sorry, you. That's sympathy, right? And, and that's all. I, oh, sorry for, for the pain. But to take it one step forward is empathy. Empathy says, you are hurting. I feel you're hurt. Empathy means, is saying, I'm not just going to say, oh, yeah, sorry, you. Empathy is saying, you hurt, I hurt. 
But Jesus takes it further. He didn't just stop at sympathy or empathy. Jesus showed compassion. Compassion is you hurt, I hurt, and I'm going to do something about your hurt. That's compassion. Jesus shows compassion. Hallelujah. Jesus doesn't just say, oh, you're going through that difficult time. Yeah, sorry. Jesus shows compassion. So are you hurting today? The balm of Gilead will heal your wounds and hurts in Jesus' name. So like every sheep, I don't only hurt. Sometimes I'm confused. And you're going to be confused at some point. So how does my shepherd respond when I'm confused? How does Jesus treat his sheep when they are confused? If I'm confused, Jesus gives me direction. Jesus gives me direction. And this is why Jesus has to be your only shepherd. Jesus gives me direction. The beauty about Jesus is that he doesn't just know the way. Some people know the way. Jesus did not, does not only know the way. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. I am the way. It's good to have a teacher that knows the dictionary. But what if your teacher is the dictionary? It's good to have a teacher that has all the knowledge in the world. But what if he is the knowledge, the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in Christ Jesus? So Jesus is saying, I am not only the way, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. The reason many of us are confused is because this is your first time on earth. You know, when you go to a place for the first time, sometimes you are confused. It's because it's your first time on earth. Or has anybody been here before? Let me see your hands up. I've been, I've, I mean, this is my second time on earth. I mean, I've, let me see your hands up. So we can cast you out. You don't, you don't belong here. <laughs> really, 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 really. And when is, your, when is your first time in a place? It simplifies your life if you have a guide. <laughs> there are a lot of us with travel. But you see, when you travel alone and you visit a place, you, you kind of enlarge your mind and you, and you appreciate the place. But when you travel and you have a travel guide, it changes your perspective about the city entirely. Because there are monuments you just walk past, the guide will tell you the history. Many of us, I mean, have people that go to different parts of the world and they tell you they've been to a place and you're talking about the place, they don't even know the, what you're talking about. When you have a guide, it makes your life easy. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus is <laughs> not only the guide to this city called the world. What if you have a guide that created the city? Is the one that built the city. And that is your guide. That is your shepherd. So when we say that, who is your shepherd? What should be your response? Only Jesus. Only Jesus. John 10, chapter 10, John chapter 10, verse 4. The good shepherd. Now, this is one thing about Jesus as your shepherd. The good shepherd walks ahead of the sheep and they follow him. They recognize his voice. Shepherds lead by example. Jesus models for his followers. Shepherds don't lead from behind. Shepherds lead from the front. That's the difference between a shepherd and a cowboy. 
you know cowboys? The cowboy has to be behind the, the flock. Not they don't have flocks, they have cattle. Has to be behind the cattle and has to be driving the cattle with a whip or, or with, a, with a whatever. But the shepherds lead from the front. The shepherd takes a walk and his sheep follow him. Huge, huge, huge difference. So what we are saying is this. Cowboys drive the cattle. Shepherds lead the sheep. Why is that important? Jesus is the shepherd of our souls. Unfortunately, many times, many times, church leadership gets it wrong. And pastors actually become cowboys, driving the people and flogging them and, and extorting and squeezing. No, no, no. God wants you to lead his flock, not to drive them. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, and the, and the converse is also, the, it's also true because you, you, the sheep, we only follow a shepherd. So it takes a goat or a cow or a bull to follow a cowboy or to be, to be driven by a cowboy. Why? Because the sheep cannot defend itself. It needs the tenderness of a shepherd. The, the bull can defend itself. It's strong as horns. The goats can defend itself. So, so the goats and the bulls can fight the cowboys. They can face their cowboys and actually go on social media and, and tweet. But the sheep won't do that. Praise the name of the Lord. Psalm 26 verse 3 says to us, Psalm 26 verse 3, it says, Your constant love is my guide and your faithfulness leads me. Your faithfulness does what? Leads me. So as sheep, sometimes I hurt, sometimes we hurt. Your shepherd has compassion. As sheep, sometimes we are confused. Jesus gives us direction. As sheep, sometimes we stray. Sometimes we stray. What does Jesus do when his sheep Stray. When we stray, Jesus finds me. When I stray, Jesus finds me. He finds me, and that is beautiful. Matthew 18, Matthew 18, verse 12 says, Jesus said, If a shepherd has a hundred sheep, And one wanders away and is lost. Won't he leave the 99? Save ship and go and search for the lost one. So, so Jesus will find you. Some of you, you are here in church this morning. You are not here by accident. You can say, oh, my neighbor just invited me. I came. No, you, Jesus is finding you. And he will find you out today. Yeah. In the name of Jesus. So, Pastor, how did you know? I just came. I just, I just salted it. No, you, just didn't, you didn't just salter it. God brought you for a purpose. He wants to be your shepherd. And, and that's the truth. He, he, you, you need a shepherd. And you need a flock. You need a shepherd. And you need a flock. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, Isaiah 53, 6, it says, We all, like sheep, who have wandered off, we all, all of us, wander. We are following. Then we see something that is interesting, and we begin to deviate. Meanwhile, we are not following again. We all wander, the Bible says, and we have gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, and we have gone our own Way and God has piled all our sins, everything we have done wrong on Him, on Jesus. You see, and when we wonder, He finds us, and when He finds us, He sets us straight. It's called correction. Those of us that are parents, if you have children, and you, you go to a mall or a public place, 
And your child wanders off. You know, it's in every human being to wander off. How many of us take, when we are growing up, you, uh, 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 when you have your own children, you teach them how to get lost? You don't. You don't need to. You don't need to. It's in every child. It's in every human to wander. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of us have, you've gone to a public place and temporarily your child, you couldn't find your child again? Let me see your hands up. Come on, be honest. Okay, fine. Put out your hand. Now, what went through your, your mind? What emotion did you feel? Desperation. Now, how many parents will go shopping and discover that their daughter or their son is not around them? I said, well, let me finish shopping. Then I will. <laughs> Everything comes to a halt. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. That when you wonder, I stop everything I'm doing and I'm in search for you. I'm looking for you until I find you. I'm not going to stop until I lay hold on you. I'm not going to stop. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what he's saying. And guess what? We won't stop until we find that child. I've wondered before. My grandmother used to take me to the market. And as a little boy, I hated following her to the market. Hated. She can price like nothing else. Used to, I used to get upset at the way she prices. The, I, used to, I used to pity the sellers. But now, some things have rubbed off. Anyway. So I follow, I follow my grandmother, and, and as a child, you are always sure you, I mean, my mind is there, that's, that's where she is. So I'm following her, I'm keeping track of her, and I'm seeing something that is interesting, but she's still there, right? And I'm seeing something that I didn't know I've gone. Then I'm seeing something, then all of a sudden, I stop. I can't find her. There's confusion in the market. Mom, I'm crying. <laughs> then she goes also. When we, obviously, when we, when we meet. Probably I see her at a distance shouting, Oh, mommy, my child, where's my child? You know? Then finally we meet. Now, when. <laughs> that moment when you meet, and you wish you were still lost. <laughs> that, that moment when you meet. Now, if you're the parent, and you find that child, what, what's, what's, going what's going to happen? <laughs> Typical African parent. That child is going to receive what? They call it decking. He's going to receive decking. Now, that is the, that's the, that's the difference. You see, when I wander off, when I wander off, if you bring up that scripture again, when I wander off, we all have wandered off and we have gotten lost. So, but now, see, I closely follow your word because the Lord disciplined me. I wandered off and got lost. But when I closely follow your word. The Lord disciplines me. Psalm 109, verse 67. The Lord disciplines me. And when it disciplines me, and now you, you say, we do more than discipline. We don't discipline. We punish. We punish. What's, what's the difference? What are you saying? When I see, that moment I, I, I see my grandmother, immediately I wish I was lost again. You know why? <laughs> because the resetting that follows <laughs> is always very beautiful. So what, 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 what am I saying? I'm saying God is saying in his word that he doesn't punish if you put your faith in Christ Jesus, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, if Jesus is the shepherd of your soul, God never punishes you. God disciplines us. He doesn't punish us. 
Discipline is not punishment. The African parents will. They don't bore you well. You gotta get lost. By the time you, by the time you are found. <laughs> and for us as parents, God wants us to discipline our children, not to punish our children. So what's, what's the difference, Pastor? Now, the difference is this. Punishment is penalty for the past, for a past wrongdoing, often motivated by anger. So punishment is penalty for the past. You've done something wrong. Your Waterloo, you have met your Waterloo, as my dad would say. You've met your Waterloo. It's, 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 you're going to get it. But discipline is training for the future. Discipline is training for the future and is motivated by love. So discipline is, I'm going to, you're going to have that conversation, that tough conversation, why you should stay close to daddy in a public place or to mommy in a public place. You're going to discipline the child because you have done this. I'm going to, no PlayStation for you, and I want to train you, or because you have done this, every time is your phone that makes you get lost. I'm going to seize your phone every time we go to the market so that you can pay attention. You see, discipline is correction for the future. So, pastor, what are you saying? Are you saying God doesn't punish punish us? No. God disciplines us. Disciplines us. If you're a child, that is. God never. So why? Why come God never punishes people that belong to Jesus. Why? It's simple. Because all our punishment was taken by Jesus already on the cross of Calvary. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Psalm, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. It, it says in verse 5, he was crushed for the sins we did. It says the punishment we deserve was given to him. If God had punished Jesus already, he can't punish me again. Because that would be unrighteousness for him. Galatians 2 says, if I rebuild again that which I pulled down, then I've made myself an unrighteous person. So God won't do that. So the punishment was laid on, on rule on Jesus and was given to him so that now we are healed because of his wounds. The reason we are healed is not because we prayed. Now, so people, people struggle and say, oh, pastor, does healing still happen? Does this? Yes, it does. And the reason is not because we have faith. The reason we are healed is because he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was laid upon who? Jesus. And by his stripes, we have been healed. Hallelujah. So, God doesn't Punish us. is punished Jesus for us. So Jesus is our bros that's taking the punishment. Ah. So which, honestly, if you're not a child of God, you're just suffering for nothing. For nothing. Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Verse 71. Says to us, it was good, this is David, that I was afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. So when God disciplines, you see, there's the common denominator between punishment and discipline is, is pain. Discipline sometimes can be painful. But discipline brings forth a fruit of righteousness. Punishment only makes a rebellious child. Depends. On how strong you can go. So, and, and God says that, David is saying that it was good that you disciplined me, that I was afflicted, that I might learn. That I might learn. Psalm 119, verse 67, that we, that we learn. He says, I used to wander off, but the Lord disciplined me. He says, now I follow closely. I closely follow your word. I closely follow your word. Praise the name of the Lord. So we see that God 
actually disciplines the children that he loves. Hebrews 12 is the child that he accepts. He disciplines. So if God is disciplining you, the question is, what am I to learn? What is God saying? What is the lesson here for me? What's the lesson for me? So we see that when, if I'm, if I'm hurt, Jesus shows me what? Compassion. If I'm confused, Jesus gives me direction. If I stray, Jesus gives me, he finds me. Then, number four, what if, what if I fail? What if I fall? What if I make a mistake? If I fail, Jesus rescues me. I mean, that is huge. That is huge. Jesus, actually, you are going to make a mistake. You are, look, listen, on this side of eternity, you are not going to be perfect. Is that, some people are not comfortable with that. That's the truth. You are not going to be perfect. You can be a hypocrite, but you, you are not going to be perfect. You can be many things, but you are not going to be perfect. So you are going to make mistakes. So the question is, how does Jesus respond to his sheep when they fall? How does he respond? Matthew 12, Matthew 12. Matthew 12, 11 and 12. He says, Jesus said, if any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on a Sabbath, they don't work on Sabbath, the Jews. He says, will you not rescue and lift it out? He says, how much more valuable is a man than a sheep? So Jesus is saying, if you can rescue a sheep that falls in a pit, Shouldn't I rescue a man that falls in a ship, in a pit? If you can rescue, because this is my ship. So the question is, how does your shepherd respond when you are in a pit? Um, you see, if one falls into a deep pit, there are more than five worldviews. But I'm going to talk about five of the major worldviews. And they are from the five major world religions, if you will. I'm, I'm a student of comparative religion. I, I, I like to study different religions. In fact, there was a time in my life that I, I, I was asking some serious questions. I was saying, why should I follow Jesus? I actually asked. I was, I was a Christian. I, I said to God, I said to myself, struggling, why should I follow Jesus? What's the difference between Buddha and Mohammed and Krishna and, and Jesus? Are they not all, you know, good people? What, what is the big deal? You see, and, and many times, many people are this phase. And it's okay, as long as your heart is sincere. Everyone that seeks God finds God. Everyone. So, in, in part of my study of, of comparative religion, one of the, the things I studied was the truth and the way, and we've talked about that, and we're going to talk about that, I mean, by Easter. <laughs> one, of, one of the things, questions I asked is, how these five worldviews, these five major worldviews, how do they respond if one falls in a deep pit? Now, I'm just going to state my findings, and, you know, I mean no disrespect, and I'm not demeaning any, any religion or any worldview. I'm just stating facts that are in the public domain that you can check up for yourself. Praise the name of Allah. So, Buddha says, if you fall into a pit, guess what Buddha says? Buddha says, it's your karma. If you fall into a pit, karma means um, cause and effect. What you sow is, is what you reap. So, Buddha is saying, you actually deserve to be in the pit because of something you have done wrong. But you and I know that there's actually righteous suffering on earth. There are people that are suffering and they've not done anything wrong. So, so, so how does that 
fit karma. They say that, oh, if, 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 if you think you're suffering because you've done nothing wrong, you must have done something wrong in your previous life. You know, some people were cockroaches in their previous lives. Now they're human beings. Then the next life, they will be uh, orangutan, you know. Which is why I checked if this is your first time on earth. It says, it's your karma. So that is limiting. That doesn't that answer my question. That obviously wasn't satisfactory. So the, the next thing is, okay, so what, what does Mohammed has to say? Mohammed says that if you fall into a deep pit, you have violated the laws of Allah. So it's legalistic. It's everything. That made a lot of some sense, but that doesn't help me. Because there is none that can say, I have not broken a law. It doesn't help me. It doesn't. So wait, the question now goes on. What does the Hindu guru say? The Hindu guys, what, what do they say? What if somebody falls into a pit? <laughs> Hindu says, now listen. The ditch or the pit is only an illusion of your mind. Even though you are in the pit, it's in your mind. Say, but uh, this thing they pay me, it's in your mind. I can't pay school fees. You, will, you are saying to me, I can't pay school fees. I'm trusting God for a breakthrough. It's in your mind. The school fees is paid. Okay. When your children come back home, you tell them it's in your mind. You are in school already. <laughs> it's in your mind. So, obviously, obviously, that didn't work for me. That, that just didn't work for me. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> there are some things, obviously, that can be in your mind. But that can be the answer. So, so the next worldview is the um, new age guys. The new age guys, you know, they, are, they usually have life coaches, you know. And so, the life coach says a lot of motivational speakers are new age, you know, thing. they take a lot of things from scriptures, but it's not about Christ. It's, it is self at the center. So the new age guy says, motivate yourself, jump out of the pit. That's what he says. But you and I know there are some pits you can't get yourself out of. You know there are some pits you can't get yourself out of. So Buddha says it's your karma. Muhammad says you violated the law of Allah. Hindu guy says, that pit doesn't exist. It's an illusion. It's just in your mind. The new age guy says, motivate yourself. Jump out of it. Jesus says, I will come and rescue you out of the pit. He says, I will come and rescue you out of this pit. Now, who will you follow? Only Jesus. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Speak to the way Your God will surely come. He will come and save you. Sing it him. He will come. He will come, come and save will come and rescue me out of my pit. Only Jesus can save. There is no other way. <laughs> Hallelujah. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can save. 
going through if you've come to Christ you have come to the final bus stop of that problem he will save and deliver you and that is what he he said I will come and rescue you you have more value than a ship I will come and save you Psalm 71 says, even when I am in a deep ditch, Psalm 71 verse 20, says, you allow me, and when I'm in a deep ditch, you bring me back. So are you in a deep ditch today? Only Jesus can say, do you need new life today? Only who? Only Jesus can say. And finally, for the benefit of those of you that are in the 10 a.m. service, the 8 a.m. guys didn't get this. But, you know, you guys are special. You get this one. <laughs> Finally, if I'm hurt, Jesus shows me compassion. If I'm confused, Jesus gives me what? Direction. If I stray or get lost or wonder of Jesus finds me. If I fail or fall, Jesus what? And the beauty of it all is that if I trust him, Jesus keep me saved. He keeps me saved. Now, now, this is a big deal because for years when I was, I got saved in my final year in university, in, in New Lago, my final year. But before then, one of the things that kept me back from, from accepting Jesus was the fact that I looked at what these Christians were saying that you will do as a Christian. Because many of the things that was being preached is when you do good, you will be accepted. But, so, so, so I said, well, nobody can do this. I, I, was, I wasn't crazy. I knew nobody can do it. So I was like, sorry. But I discovered that the gospel is not if you do good, you will be accepted. The gospel is that you are accepted. And because you are accepted, you do good. So, in fact, there's a scripture that God told me way back. I can never forget. I was there, you know. It was even after I'd given my life to Jesus. I was there. I was actually crying. I was saying to God, how? Because I knew the life I was living. How? And God said, Jude 24. I kid you not. And I opened Jude 24. I was alone when God told me this. And Jude 24 says, unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before his presence be all the glory and bring up to 24 and all the honor. Jude 1 24. It's only one chapter. And, <laughs> and adoration. So I saw that it is him that is able to keep me from falling. It is him that is able to keep me from falling. So, in other words, what what jumped out at me is that it is the Savior's job to keep you saved. Totally, totally liberating. It it was the Savior's job to save you. There was nothing you could do to save you. So, if you you couldn't be saved by works, what, what makes you think you can be kept by works? John 10, 27. John 10, 27 to 29. Did I not give you guys this thing? Okay. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice 
I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, eternal life, and they will never die. And no one can steal them from my hand. No one. My father gave my sheep to me. He's greater than anyone. And no one can steal my sheep out of my father's hands. No one can steal you from God's hand. <laughs> if you trust him, he's able to keep you saved. No one. No one means no one. You see, the truth is, no one means if you have committed your life to Jesus, Satan cannot steal your salvation. Sorrow cannot steal your salvation. Suffering cannot steal your salvation. Society cannot steal your salvation. Now, this last one I'm about to say is going to rattle some people's theology. Suicide cannot steal your salvation. There's some people. Ah, do you guys have some time? There are some people that actually have taken their lives. Christians, they had mental health issues, deep depression. Don't take your life. People are saying to me, Pastor, will they be in heaven? They took their life. They committed sin. Will they be in heaven? Guess what? Suicide has no power to stake your salvation. I thrive. You are going to unpack that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Romans 8, Romans 8, Romans 8 from verse 38. It says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death or life or angels, nor what? Nor demons. They can't. Neither fear, neither our fears of tomorrow or our worries about tomorrow. No powers of hell can separate us from the love of God. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing at all in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior and our Shepherd and our Messiah. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, it's, it's totally unbelievable. Totally liberating. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is this, simple and clear. When I can truly say, the Lord is my shepherd, everything else is taken care of. Everything. That's what David was trying to tell us. He listed, he listed about ten things in the six verses. Everything else is being taken care of. If I can, see, the issue is, can you truly say, the Lord is my shepherd? That's the question. If I can truly say the Lord is my shepherd, everything else taken care of. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. There is no other way. As we take this song, only Jesus can say.
Yes, you can. I want to pray with you. If that is you, put up your hand wherever you are, and I'll pray with you. Shoot up that hand over your head. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put it up well over your head. God bless you. There's a hand there. There's another hand there. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my brother over there. At that corner, thank you, my brother. I can see you. Keep the hands up. Thank you, my sister. Thank you. Another brother over there. Thank you, sir. That is me. Thank you, sir. My sister, right here, I can see you. Thank you, my sister. Thank you. I want to be a part of... Thank you, sir, my brother. Once you have the card, you can pull down your hands and talk to him. I'm going to pray with you in a bit. That is me. God bless you, sir. Another hand over there. God bless you. If, if you're still debating, should I, should I not? That is a sign that you should. Jesus wants to love you. He wants to take care of you. He wants to direct your life. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. Put up that hand. Put up that hand now. God bless you, my, my sister, right here. That is me. Once you have the card, you can put down your hand. Oh, there is no other way. Can I still put up my hand? Of course you can. Put it up, and I'm going to pray with you in a bit. That is me. Once you have the card, you can put down your hand. Only Jesus can I want you to pray if you are here. You are a sheep, but maybe there's pain in your heart. There's hurt in your heart. Now you have heard that he wants to show you compassion. Why don't you reach out to him and receive your compassion? You may be here. It's confusion that is trying to drive you crazy or take you out of, out of his love. He wants to give you direction. Why don't you reach out for his direction even right now reach out for his direction if you are here you are saying pastor I have wandered I have lost my way he wants to find you why don't you reach out and he will find you and embrace you even right now because he's here with you talk to him father I pray for everyone that is surrendering to you Lord everyone that is giving their lives to you we ask that you accept them according to your word change these lives totally and let your name and your name alone be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord, for his kindness, for his mercy, for his compassion. Hallelujah.